0: Great welcome to Reverend Kim Cloud, amen. Glory to God. Y'all know every time I come here I start with a question because it just helps me to understand the demographic I'm dealing with. So what I need to know is how many happy people do I have here? Wave your hand like this if you're happy. You aren't waving. I never know if that means you're actually not happy or you're just out of the will of God. So wave your hand like this if you're happy. Amen. How many of you believe in God that this year is going to be better than last year? I like what Pastor said, setting goals and writing them down. You know, Habakkuk 2 says, write down the revelation. Everybody say, write it down. That's one of the keys to seeing anything happen in your life, is writing it down. And he said, make it plain on a tablet so that a herald could read it. What does that mean? How many of you know back then they didn't have Facebook. Right or Instagram, or anything else like that. If you wanted somebody else to have an understanding of something, you had to write it down and send a runner to take it. And he said, here's the deal. Whatever it is you've got a vision. How many of you have a vision for something in your life? Raise your hand if you do. Even if you don't, raise your hand by faith. You need to to have something you're believing for. Um, You know, your vision, a vision statement doesn't have to be complicated, does it? I mean, it shouldn't take you 30 minutes. Pastor, let me share my vision. It shouldn't take a half hour. You ought to be able to succinctly state it in a couple of sentences. And that's what he was saying. Make it plain. So that a herald could run with it. And somebody on the other side of the city could read it and understand completely what it is you're believing for. Everybody say, write it down. down. Uh, This has nothing to do with what I'm ministering on, but but the Lord gave me a message years ago about just this thing. And he said, write it down. And and the night that the Lord revealed he'd had a call on my life, I grew up on a bus. My family did gospel music all over the world. And I grew up on a bus, and my bunk was in the back right on top of the engine. Which the cool thing about that was the drone of that big diesel, you could just sleep forever. Uh, it was glorious. I, I loved it. Uh, but one night I was back there. Everybody else is in their bunk asleep except for whoever's driving. It's probably four in the morning. And I wake up, and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to me, and He says, turn to the first chapter of Jeremiah. He said, for the same way I called Jeremiah, I'm calling you. Now I have not been saved but a few weeks Full disclosure, I had no clue. I had to look in the index to find Jeremiah. But he said, go to the first chapter. I had no idea what Jeremiah 1 said. He said it's in the Old Testament. And so he said, go to, go to Jeremiah. And so I went there and I, and, and I read and he said, the same way I called Jeremiah, I'm calling you. And so I looked there. If you know that story, the Lord says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. What does that mean? How many of you know that was a word for Jeremiah? But how many of you know that's an archetype? In other words, that's how God rolls. Look at your neighbor and say that's how he rolls. rolls. So in other words, the same way that God knew Jeremiah before his mother knew he was there. That means God knew he... Everybody look me in the eye. God knew you before your mama knew you were there. Before your daddy could say, it's a boy. Before the gender reveal, whatever that is. God knew you. And the Bible says he didn't just know you, but he said, I know, I know the end. I know what I have planned for you. He said, he said, in the same way I called Jeremiah, and so I read that, and he said, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. He said, I called you to tear down and to destroy, to create. And I'm reading all this, and I'm thinking, this is heavy duty. And to be honest with you, my first thought was, I will never find this again. And so I knew I need to write this down. How many of y'all remember those yellow notebook pads with the blue lines? I found one of those in the bus and I got it. And word for word, I I wrote down Jeremiah 1 verse 4 through 10. And then the Lord spoke and He said, put that over the headboard of your bed. So that every morning when you get up, you get your eyes on the vision I have for you. How many of you know, if you can keep your eyes on God's plan for your life, how many of you know, in your distraction comes Destruction. Distraction doesn't even have to be a sin. It can still lead to destruction. How many of you have ever gone to, to Wendy's and ordered a double or triple? And you got it with all of the accoutrements in there, and you can't wait until you pull out of the, the drive-thru and you peel the paper back and you go to buy it, and the, and the tomato squirts out. Yeah. Right? Lands on your leg and then on the floor. But, but now you're driving, and so you're doing a search mission down here on the floor, and you can't find the tomato. And so you steal a couple of glances down and, and, you, and you try to, and you cross the center line and you hit someone and kill yourself, kill them. You break the law, willfully. But in your distraction was destruction. And that's why it's important that you write your vision down. Because if you allow it, how many of you know your eyes will run to everything it shouldn't? But if you write your vision down, and that's what the Lord said to me. He said, write it down and put it on the headboard of your bed. Say, every morning. So so that every morning when you get up, let it be the first thing you look at. Let that be the north to your compass. It'll give direction to your life. How many of you know in order to take correct steps, you need correct direction? Many of you use GPS to get places. There was a time my wife used to call me Map Man. Because when Susan traveled me, we would go all over the United States, all over Canada, and I always had an atlas up there in the front seat, reading by the map light at 3 in the morning, you know. Highway 2 in Montana. Man, them days are gone. Because now, <laughs> you know, I could have glasses on with lens this thick to see that. So now I'm like you. I, I, I'm using my GPS with that phone. It illuminates. It's easy to see. But it gives direction to you. When you write your vision down, that's what it does for your life. That's what it allows you to do every time you come to a crossroads and you're... Which way do I go? Well, get your eye on your vision and it'll make it clear to you which path you should take. If you understand what I'm saying, wave your hand like this. He said, don't only let it be the first thing you look at to start your day. But then, when you go to bed, let it be the last thing you look at. So if you get up and you have your eyes on your vision, it'll change how you make choices during your day. And then if it's the last thing you look at, You'll fall asleep dreaming about your vision. Let me hear y'all say, that's good. Say it like Andy Griffith would, Let me hear y'all say, that's good. How I many of you ever say it like Andy? you got to shake your head like this. Everybody say, that's good. If you don't shake your head, you're out of the will of God. Curtis, did you shake your head? Thank you. Good, good. So I appreciate Pastor talking about that. That'll make this year better. And I believe that what I'm going to minister on today will make this year better too. Last Saturday night, the Lord gave me this word. I preached it last week. And and I'm going to use some verses that I've preached on before and I'm sure you've seen. But the Lord showed me a correlation that was obvious as could be. It was the forest for the trees kind of a thing. But I'd never noticed it. And so what I want to talk about today is footsteps. You know, if you're somebody like me and and I'm in a different city and state every week. And I'm ministering to to large groups of people lots of times. and, And they're very broad range in age like today you know there's some people in here in their, where did Allie go in their teens and then there's some of y'all here I can tell you're pushing 40 aren't you the bible says call that that is not as though it were so that's that's what I'm doing um, so it's a challenge for me how am i going to come up with something that keeps Allie's attention but keeps yours too i have to have something you can all relate to and i want to keep your attention this entire time so I got to think what what could i minister and and I thought of Footsteps. Footsteps. Because how many of you know, we all take footsteps? You had to take footsteps to get here, right? Yeah. And in a broader sense, you got up today with a smile on your face yeah. or hanging your head like Tom Dooley. First song I learned on guitar, Clint. Tom Do Don't hang your head, Tom Dooley. A lot of Christians named Tom Dooley. They hang their They did twenty-three of me and it just came back with a picture of Eeyore. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you got up today with a smile on your face or hanging your head, how many you know, is because of your footsteps. Yeah. Your life is where it is today. Because of your footsteps. We all take footsteps. And then I got to studying about footsteps. Average person takes three to four thousand footsteps a day. That sounds like a lot, but don't get too proud of yourself because we're supposed to take between eight and ten thousand. Probably take 30,000. Every time I... It, he'll, he'll run. How much do you run now? When you've gone... Right. And, and, how, and how long are those races? They're too far. You're having a hard time because it's entirely too much running for, for me. If you put a gun to my head... I, I, I couldn't do that. But I, so I have respect for people. Your footsteps. So that's something we all here take as footsteps. So you'll all be able to relate to this. And I told you, when I, when I think of footsteps, the verse that comes to my mind, put that first verse up if you would please, Miss Kimberly. It says, The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. How many of you have seen this verse before? You all have. There used to be a song that was... They call them scripture songs. It was, you know, you, you actually sang this literal scripture in the stone. Steps of a good man, order of the Lord, though he followed it, not be faithful. The Lord beholdeth him with his right hand. Read this many times. I remember singing that song and I'm going to be totally forthright with you. Whenever I read that verse, whenever I sang that song, I used to think, that ain't me. I, I'm Kind of like you were talking about, brother, when you said, you know, the Lord can't use you. Because I knew I knew what I've done. I know who I was. And so <laughs> that adjective good is not one anyone would ever typically ascribe to me. Even though my parents were in ministry, even though my grandfather was a preacher, my dad was a preacher, I'm just being straight up with you. I was a hellraiser. I went years high every day. And so when I think about the steps of a good man, I knew. So the Lord, He's directing my feet. And the Lord, how many of you have ever had the Lord kind of give you a, you know, one of those? He gave me that and He said, look at the whole verse. Look at the whole thought. Look at the next line, verse 24. says, the steps of a good man order the Lord, and though he fall, he will not be cast down. Because the Lord upholdeth him with what? His hand. Go back to the verse again, verse 23. The steps of a good man. Are people just born good or born bad? No. I preached on that here one time when I was talking about Matthew where Jesus said, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things and the evil man out of his evil treasure. You're not good or bad because of who your mom and dad are. You're not good or bad because of the color of your skin. I know the media would have you to believe that as a function purely of how much, pigment, how much melatonin and pigmentation you have in your skin, that determines if you're good or bad. And then they'll go on and say you're either good or bad because you're male or female. I mean, you know, that's the one time they differentiate and say there's a difference. The rest of the time, there is no difference, you understand. Goofiness. Well, I thought, you know, I, 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 I'm not good. The Lord said, well, look at the whole verse. Of a good man, are order the Lord, and he delighteth in his way, though he fall. The good man falls. And how many of the Lord said, None of you are good, anyhow. He said, Your righteousness is like filthy rags, right? How many of you here love Jesus? Raise your hand if you love Jesus. All your heart and your soul and your might and all that. Raise your hand. Wave it like your goofy cousin would if you do. Okay, all of you that are waving your hands, how many of you here sin? If you don't wave your hand, you're sinning right now. Come on, how many of you here sin? How many of you have done the same sin more than once? Keep your hands up, church. Uh, how many of you have done it like numerous times? Couldn't even count how many times. Right. That's what the Lord said to me. He said, Don't let church people decide for you who's good or bad. Because I, I grew up in Pentecost, Clint. How many of y'all appreciated Clint's playing today? Come on, he played better than that. And I don't know if y'all notice, he plays on the black and the white keys. I grew up in Pentecost. How many of y'all know what Pentecost is? I know they do. For those of you that don't, that's where the preacher ends every sentence in his message. Ha! 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 That kind of thing. I grew up with that. And I've told you before that, man, the bunch I grew up with, they were so kind of legalistic that there was lots of things that if, if I ever did it, they were quick to point out to me, going to hell. Jim, are you playing cards? Yes. Is it rook? No. Hell. I mean, know, oh, there's a dispensation for rook. That's in Leviticus if you want to look it up. It's in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Emma, are you dancing? Sort of. Hell. You in that movie theater? Wearing short pants? Straight to hell. And so I grew up believing God don't want me to have any fun because it appeared to me all the things that were fun would send you straight to hell. And so I knew I, I'm not good. And, and people were quick to point that out to me. And the Lord said, isn't anybody good? All oh, that bunch that was judging you aren't good. The steps of a good man are ordered the Lord, though he fall. Raise your hand again if you sinned. Yeah, all of us. Now, I'd read this verse many times, but what I'd never really noticed is the correlation. Look at your neighbor and say, the correlation. The correlation. Look at him again and say, the correlation. the correlation. The correlation had escaped me. It had gone right over me. Here's the correlation I'm speaking of. He says, though he fall, he'll not be cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his what? His hand, you matter. What is the correlation? How many of you know he said the steps of a good man? I'm talking about footsteps. How do you take footsteps? Look down at your feet. That's how. What I discovered was this incredible correlation between our feet and his hands. Our feet and his hands. It's amazing how your feet, how many of you, your feet have taken you to some bad places? Yes. Right. Here's what's incredible. Even when your feet were in those terrible places, what was the Lord doing with his hand? Holding you. Wherever your look at me. Look at me. Wherever your feet took you, his hand was still upon you. At Penny a beer night at the mad hatter? That's right. How I many all remember the Mad Hatter and Underground? I know Royal. I talked about this once. Royal said, "Oh, you've just read about it. You were never there, but you read stories, right? Even when I was at my worst behavior, when I thought I was as far away as I could possibly be from God, everybody put your hand out there. Like, If you don't do it like this, you're out of the will of God. Everybody doing it? Sir, do you have yours out there? All right. That's right. The Lord upholdeth him. And I begin to realize that is the love of God. That even when we're at our worst, even when our feet have took us to the most grievous place of iniquity, he's the original Stretch Armstrong. You were never out of his reach. That's been one of my confessions for the last four years. COVID brought it on. This is all I do. In other words, if I don't have a place to preach, I don't have any income. I'm just being honest with you. And in the year, first year of COVID, we had 21 weeks of cancellation. They didn't cancel me, I'm talking about they canceled church. How do you know that people who had never been to church were making decisions about who could go? That's too dangerous, too dangerous. And Walmart's all right, you understand, and the strip club and the alcohol store. But church, uh, is just too dangerous, too dangerous. 21 weeks of cancellations. In 2021, I had 15 weeks. 36 weeks out of 104. Mm-hmm. We should have had no income. But I was reminded his arm is not short. Say that with me his arm is not short. Personalize it. Say, in my life, Say it, in my life, His arm is not short. No, it is not. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what's happening to you. You're never out of reach of His hand. And when I read that and understood, no wonder then. How many of you know the good man is you or me? Not because of us. Not because you're a Ford man or a Chevy man or a Tech man or a Georgia man. Good because of the blood of Jesus. And it holdeth you, even when you make mistakes. I always had this vision because church people led me to believe that he was up there with a ball peen hammer. You know, and every time I put on short pants, boom, hell! <laughs> then I discovered, nah, the Word of God's more important than what anybody says. I mean, one of the greatest hindrances to the Spirit of God is the tradition of men. Bless God, it's how we've always done it. I appreciate that He led us in several hymns today. Wasn't that good? And I mean, there are some people believe, if you don't have a hymnal in church, or pews, hell, where's you in hymnal's? But well, sing off the wall, aren't you? But I mean, know, oh, the Word of God is more important than what anybody's home office says. Amen. I mean, you don't vote on the Word of God. Amen. I mean, you know, there's some people that don't believe healings for today. Well, he we voted on it. I mean, it was, a, it was an eight to four vote. You can't argue with that. I mean, you think the Lord's up in heaven and go, Gabriel, did you hear that? They voted against it. Change everything? No. The Word of God takes preeminence. And so the Lord quickened me after I realized there's a correlation between my feet and His hands. He quickened me to Psalm 139. Turn to Psalm 139. We're going to begin with verse 1. If you don't have your your Bible with you or whatever, it'll be up on the screen. He says, you have searched me, O Lord, and you what? You know me. How many of you have ever had somebody tell you about something? You go, Oh, I know him. And they'll go, well, What's his name? Well, I mean, I don't remember his name, but I, mean, but no, I, I know what you're talking about. How I many know oh, that isn't really knowing? How I many know oh, when the psalmist said, You know me, O oh Lord? How I many know oh, God knows you? Everybody look at me. He knows you. And how is it he knows you? Well, look what he says You've searched me. How many of you have ever raised a teenager? How many of you ever searched him? You know what I mean? Turn to the left, turn to the right, hands in the air. I mean, that's a lot of the times the only way you're going to know a teenager. You've got to search them. That's how God knows us. Say every day. Every. Say every time. every time. Say anytime. Any time. Say all the time. All. Every day, anytime, all the time, God is searching you and me. Y'all may be thinking, hell. I'm going to hell too then. He knows us because He searches us. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Look at verse 2. He says, you know when I sit, and you know when I rise. And what else does He know? Your thoughts. I mean, you're uncomfortable with the fact that God knows all your thoughts. Raise your hand. Quit being church people. Raise your hand. I mean, it's one thing if God knew. Imagine if the person next to you knew everything you were thinking. They probably wouldn't even be sitting next to you. I don't even know who you are anymore. That's what you're thinking. God knows. He knows everything we're thinking. Far. He searches us every day, anytime, all the time. He knows our heart. the Next verse. You discern my going out and my lying down. And what's he familiar with? Operative word there, all. See, some of you have ways you want us to be familiar with. Right? They're on your website. They're on your business card. Do you need these ways? Call me. I'm the way maker. Just call this number. We all have ways we want people to know. It's in our brochure. It's in the press release. It's on the billboard. It's in our selfie. I'm talking big. I have never. I'm using the word never here. I've never been on any social media. I mean, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I never have. In fact, I've had people ask me, you're not on Facebook? You're not on Instagram? You're not on Instagram? I don't even know what they are. And I said, no. And they said, why not? And I said, I don't need another way to disappoint people. I'm already slack responding to emails and voicemails and text. I don't need anything else piling up, you know. It's like a traffic jam in my life. Says you're familiar with all my ways. There's ways that you put out there you want people to know, but all of you, look at me, look at me. Remember when your mother would say, "Look at me," or perhaps your wife, "Look at me." God knows all your ways. He knows the ways you don't want anybody to know. Ways that no one will... Ways your mother will never know. God knows. And now you're thinking it again, aren't you? Hail. Give me the pitchfork. Put a tail on me. I'm going to hell. Look at verse 4. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, You know it completely. How many of you hear your mouth has ever got you in trouble? I had to turn off predictive text on my phone. And I'll tell you why, it was so humiliating. Because anytime I would text my wife and I typed I'm, my phone would go, Sorry? Because I found that must be my, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Imagine if someone knew everything you'd ever said. Think of the problems it's caused you, the stuff they know, and they don't know everything you said. I mean, you're thinking, boy, this is trouble, and you're, I can weather the storm, though, because they don't know everything I've said. God knows everything you've ever said. So, so far, He knows all your thoughts. Yep. He knows all your ways. Yep. He knows everything you've ever said. Yeah, hell. Straight to hell. But look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. You hem me in behind and before, and then what's he do? See, your feet, his hands. Say it, my feet, his hands. Anytime you think your feet have got you into a place that there's no way out, just remember, his hand's there with you. If your feet got you there, his hands will get you out. Wave your hands and say, I know that's good. I know that's good. You hemmed me in behind them before. When I saw this, the Lord reminded me, how many of y'all remember pinball games? You may have to have gray hair or no hair to remember pinball. Allie's Googling pinball. What is it? pinball? Y'all remember pit ball? Pull the little deal, and the ball go around there, and you had the two little flappers. You know the object of the game was to keep the ball in play. bumpers—is that what they called the little? If you could hit all the bumpers every time you hit it, you got points, right? And so the object was to keep that ball in play. But alas, the bumpers didn't meet, did they? I mean, they almost did, but there was just enough room for the ball to go there, and there's yank, 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 and you'd have to do another ball. No matter how hard you hit that ball, how many of you know the game, the bumpers, him that ball in? In my life, I realized I was that ball. In my rebellious time, boom! Running out there to, bam, get away from God. Running over here, running over there. And the Lord said, you know what? No matter how hard you tried to run. How many of you here have ever run from God? Oh, I'm sorry, the rest of you take your halo off. How many of you here have ever run from God? Yeah. Here's the deal. He said, You know what? The whole time I'm running, trying to get away from you, what's God doing? Him and you in. That's why you're here today. That's why you didn't die when you were 16. That's why you didn't die when you were 25. That's why you didn't die when you were down there at the Mad Hatter. Or the front page of the Broadway. Or the pump house. Remember them all. San Susi. You remember that one? Getting uncomfortable now because she keeps looking. at You remember those places? You never told me about the San Susi. <laughs> oh that won't go on the tape. They'll edit that off. I'm certain of it. No matter how hard, I've got my story of how I ran. Before you sit there and judge me, you got yours too. I mean, it's real easy to look at people. Oh. <laughs> I have a story about that? Uh, I may have told you all this before, but one of the greatest. Bible teachers in America. It's a woman that I know. Tremendous, gifted teacher. And she's invited to speak at the Women's Aglow National Convention. Probably 20 years, huh, 30 years ago. I don't know how big Women's Aglow is now, but it was a big deal in the world of women's ministry back then. This is their national convention. She is the keynote speaker. She's the grand hoopah there. And so she said, I'm sitting at the head table there waiting for my opportunity to speak. When? They, she said they had a young girl come up. Have I told you all this story before? She had a young girl come up and share her testimony. I mean, a testimony. In a testimony, anything can happen. I mean, anything is liable to be said. Well, I'd like to share you all with my testimony. I mean, people would say anything. Well, this young girl got up and told how, When she was like 12 or 11, her dad started sexually abusing her. He then got her involved in prostitution. She got hooked on heroin. Got away from her dad, but got with a pimp who who keeps her out there working because she's hooked on heroin. She has to, to pay for it. However, someone comes with a street ministry down there, rescues her from her pimp, shares the love of Jesus with her, and she gets born again. And now, she's heading up a ministry just like that, to people in that circumstance. And my friend said, I'm sitting there listening to her testimony. You know what I mean? 13-year-old prostitute, heroin addiction, living on the streets, you know, stealing. The, she says, I'm sitting here thinking, I grew up a pastor's kid. I've, I've never touched alcohol in my life. She told me, she said, I wouldn't know the difference in vodka and water. I said, well, i got to assure you, there is a difference. She said, well, I wouldn't know the difference. And She said, I don't think I've ever said a cuss word. She said, I know that's crazy, Kim, but she says, that's what I was sitting there thinking. I've never smoked a cigarette. I don't think I've ever said a curse word. I grew up in church all my life. And she said, how am I going to follow speaking after this woman and all the hell she's been through? And she said, the Lord spoke to her and said, I had to forgive you of a far worse sin than anything this young lady did. But I had to forgive you of self-righteousness. I couldn't believe she even told me that story. It was so powerful. And it's very easy to look at people and judge them, make a decision about them. Oh, put that verse back up for us, sister know this, no matter where people are, God's got his hand on them. My wife is awful good for me, and one thing she said to me, I may have told you all this story too, about, I don't know, it's probably been eight or nine years ago. As I said, I'm in a different city and state every week, and I have a hotel room, and I get in there, and sometimes they'll have like uh, HBO or some of those kind of things. I used to love it because... HBO, I don't know if they still do it, but they used to sponsor boxing. How I many of you like boxing? Heavyweight boxing in particular, Clint. Anything could happen in a heavyweight fight. And, uh, and, and I'd always like, to see, is there a fight on? Well, when I turned my TV on in my room, it was on HBO. but It was some kind of a talk show or something. And so while I'm putting my luggage up, it's playing. And finally, I just stopped everything I was doing and, and sat down on my bed and listened because this talk show host is talking about Jesus. And he's making fun of Jesus. And he said, uh, You know, Jesus was nothing but a, the word that starts with a B that refers to a child with no father. He said he was nothing but one of those who went from town to town doing magic tricks. I I got so angry. I, I can't even tell you how angry I got. I could not believe this is on, he's getting paid to say this. And it made me so angry. And I always call my wife when I get to the room to let her know I'm there. And I called her. And she said, you knew? I said, yes. And I said, I have to tell you. And I started going off on this guy. And I said, I cannot believe what this guy was saying. I said, who would say something? It was Bill Maher. I now know who the guy was. I didn't know then. And instead of agreeing me on going, I know it. Hell, send him to hell. You know what my wife said to me? She said, Kim, are you praying for him? Well, no, that hadn't, thought, hadn't occurred to me. I, I absolutely have not. I've tarred and feathered him. I've got the rack in mind, the chair, and the Chinese water torture. But I had not thought of praying. She said, well, Kim, you know, he's no different than Paul. He was Saul. She said, that man might be this generation's Paul. You ought to be praying for him. Oh. That took all the wind out of my sails. Sort of like my friend judging the young girl. Sort of like any of us who've looked at the mistakes other people have made. To look at the homeless person on the corner. To look at the drug addict. Guy sleeping over there on the vent in the sidewalk. Siding, huh? wherever your feet took you, just like them, God's hand is upon them. How many of you are thankful for that? Amen. Man. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 6. I can't even wrap my head around it, he says. It's too wonderful for me. I, I, can't, I, can't, even, I can't even get there. I can't even wrap my head around this. Look at verse 7. Where can I go to get away from you? I asked you earlier, how many of you here have run from God? Raise your hand if you've run from God. We all have. He said, Where can I go to get away from you? Where can I go to flee your presence? Short answer, nowhere, mon frère. There's nowhere you can go to get away from God. But the psalmist obviously has tried, look at verse 8. And he even recounts it. He says, If I go to the heavens, well, now how many of you know if you're running from God? That's a rookie mistake. don't go to the heavens. (laughs) Clearly, he's there. But then his next step was probably more to where you and I are. I won't put you there. More to where I was. He said, if I make my bed in the depths. Some translations say, if I make my bed in the depths of hell. How many of you here have ever made your bed in the depths of hell? Come on, don't lie in church. I see some of you trying to decide. Have I... Well, let me help you. That may be the occasion where you got up one morning and looked at the person next to you and said three words you thought you'd never say. And you are... That's putting your bed in the depths of hell. Huh? You know, in today's culture, that's cool, that's fine. See, if your feet took you there, Come on, quit being church people. When you were in a bed you shouldn't have been in. His hand was there too. You all say, shazam. (laughs) That's in the new redneck translation. Golly! That's right. If I go to the heavens, you're there. But even if I make my bed in the depths of hell, you're there too. Where can I go to get away from you? Look at the next verse. If I rise on the wings of dawn. How many of you have ever tried to get up real early to get out of the house before anybody can catch you? Come on now. Thank you. Lots of men can say that. That would be me. How many of you guys know where the noisy places are in the floor at your house? Clint, do you? Of course you do. You're a guy, that's why. Every man knows. You don't want to step there, it'll give you away. So you go around that. Even if it means going all the way through the living room, you avoid the noisy place. So you can make a clean getaway. That's what the psalmist is saying. If I get up on the wings of dawn, if I get up while everyone is still asleep. And then I go to the far side. If I get as far away from you as I can, look at the next verse. Even there, what? Your Say it. My feet. My feet. His hands. His hands. Preached for... 45 years, had never understood the relationship of my feet and his hands. That no matter where my feet took me in my life, his hand was still upon me. Say it again, that's good. Now we're going to look at one more verse for this new year. Put that next verse up in Proverbs, sister. It says, a man's heart divideth his way. What does the Lord direct? Your footsteps. How many of you want direction this year? How many of you know God ain't going to come find you on your vacation, knock on your hotel room, hold you down, and go, here's the GPS to all of your dreams? No. God doesn't come find you. One of the things the Lord said to me was, you got to look for me. One of my favorite guitar players, Albert King, probably my favorite guitar player, Albert King, had a song, he said, he was speaking to a woman, he said, I want you to look for me, but it won't be hard to find. That's sort of the way God is. How many of He requires us to look for Him, but if you look for Him, you'll find Him. Amen. And if you diligently, He'll reward you when you find Him. And that's what the Lord says here. He says, you know, you plan your ways but I will direct your footsteps. How many of you know you only get direction? Notice the word step is plural. What does that mean? More than one. See, everybody wants direction while their feet are still. While they're laying on the couch. They want somebody to come hand them, here's all your dreams. But how many of you know you only get direction if you're moving your feet? Where? It doesn't matter. Move your feet. The direction comes when you move your feet. We're all afraid we're going to make a wrong choice. We're going to make a wrong path. We're going to... You probably will. But the Lord upholdeth you with His right hand. First verse we looked at. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I'm, I'm afraid to take any steps. Don't take steps because that's where you get direction. Let me all say that's good. that's good. How many of you have ever been in an automobile? Okay. Hey. How many of you have ever driven one? Excellent. How many of you know that steering wheel means nothing? If the wheels aren't rolling. I mean, you can sit still and lock all the way to the left and turn it all the way to the right. Won't do a thing until the wheels are rolling. Meaning you don't get direction until you're moving. So it is with God. You can sit there and plan your ways. God will give you direction once you start moving your feet. Remember, there will always be a connection between your feet and his hands. We all said that's good. It is good. Bow your head to close your eyes. My feet, his hands. I appreciate it, Pastor David. Pointing out the obvious that it's so easy for us to think of ourselves as being disqualified because something in our past—you know—you you could never be an usher. You've been divorced. No, you—you you, you could never teach the Sunday school. Uh, you were a drug addict. You declared bankruptcy. I'm sorry, you can't be on the praise and worship team. People will send you to the back of the line if you get out. We were kids. You had your quarter for recess. Buy a push-up stick. Coke and some peanuts. Buy all three for a quarter back then. Realize you left your quarter in your desk. You got out of line to go get your, de- your quarter. When you came back, what did the kids say? Go to the back. People will do that. God never will. you ever get out of line with God, His promise is, I hold your place. Just get right back in where you got out. You're sitting there worried, I did this, I did that. Remember what the psalmist said, Father, you're familiar with all my ways. You've known everything I've done. And still, Your hand ain't upon me. Verse 10 said, it's directing me. The devil tries to use all kinds of things to make you think you don't matter. To make you think you don't count. To make you think you're disqualified. To make you think you're second. There's no such thing as second class in the kingdom of heaven. It's all Jesus class. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. And every promise He has ever made, you're entitled to. Not because of you, but because of Him. When the Lord gave me this word about my feet and His hands, people's footsteps, it resonated with me and so I thought there's going to be people that I share this with It's going to resonate with them too. Because they're, he, you're just a guy like I am. You're just a gal. You're just a regular person. And so with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today. And this touched you. You know this was timely for your life. This was a a word in season for your life that you needed to hear. It'll allow allow you to go out different than the way you came in. That's you, just so I know. I, I did what I was supposed to do. If that's you, if you know this is for you, just raise your hand briefly where I can see it. Amen. All over. Can I be bold? You all should have your hand up. The Word of God's for all of us. There's never a time in your life, I'm sorry, I've eclipsed that, We all fall. We already addressed that. Every one of us here need to be reminded. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, though he fall. And not be cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his right hand. With his right hand, he upholdeth you. With his right hand, he brings direction to your life. With his right hand, he brings provision. His arm is not short. Whatever you have lack of. Whatever you didn't have in 2023, you'll have in 2024 if you can keep your eyes on your vision. If you keep your feet going in the direction He's laid out for your life. If you've made a misstep, if you've got out of line today decree in your heart, Father, I'm going to get back in line. I'm going to get back in line with your plan for my life. I'm going to get my eyes again on my vision. I don't want my distraction to be my destruction. I want to be in agreement with you. Last thing. It don't matter where I go or what I minister on. I never just assume because people are in the room that they've given their heart to Jesus. Because for 18 years, I was in the room lost. So there may be somebody in this room today that although you're in church, although you've got a Bible right there on your lap, your name's in gold on the cover never given your life to Jesus. What does that mean? You've never stopped and said, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit my life is broken and I can't fix it. I admit I'm saying it out loud. I need a Savior. I feel hopeless. I feel despair. I'm ready to quit and give up. If that's you today, I'm not going to embarrass you or make you stand up, come to the front, I'm just going to pray with you right where you're seated. But if you're here today and you'd like to give your heart to Jesus, you'd like to ask Him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, give you hope. Set you free from your past and show you that He has a future for you. To put you as far as the east is from the west from who you used to be. If that's you, again, do something simple. Just raise your hand where I can see it. I just want to pray with you. Do it now. See, you can put it down. If you're an intercessor. Pray right now, church. People's lives are changing for eternity. If you're here today, I asked once, I will tell you the night I got saved, the man had to ask three times for I responded. So I'm going to ask again. If you raised your hand, you don't have to raise it again. But if you didn't, then you know you should have. That's the Spirit of God knocking on your heart. If you're here today and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, just raise your hand where I can see it. Do it, now. Do it now. The Bible says when just one person says yes, every angel in heaven rejoices. We got one today. So I want everyone in this room to pray this prayer out loud right now with them. Father, I thank you for loving me. So much that you sent your son to die that I could have life I thank You that by His shed blood, my sins are now forgiven. My past is erased. I'm a new creation. I have a hope and a future. Say that again. I have hope and a future. And I thank You because of His resurrection. My future is eternal. Eternal life in Jesus. I believe it in my heart. I confess it with my mouth. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God glory for this person this morning? Amen. In fact, everybody in here, raise both hands. Thank God for whoever it was that loved you enough they led you in that prayer. Maybe it was your childhood Pastor. Maybe it was your mom or your dad. Maybe it was Pastor David. Whoever it was that loved you enough looked at you and said, you don't need a program, son. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Thank God. Amen? Amen? Now thank God for this. He's going to use you. Say it. He's going to use me to share that with someone else. How many of you know that everything God created, the Bible tells us in Genesis, He blessed it and said, be fruitful and multiply. From plants to birds to reptile everything, including mankind, including the church. Every one of us here are to be reproducing. Say this to me: God is using me to build city on a hill. Yes, He is. How I many know oh, that's not your path? He's not the only one here that reproduces. All of you do. Say it: I reproduce. Spiritual fruit in the name of Jesus. To that end, I want every one of you here to point at an empty chair in this room. Pick an empty chair and point at it. Say this, God is using me to fill that chair in Jesus' name. I mean, know, oh, that's how it works. This isn't complicated. If you go out and reproduce, if you go out, you all work with somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Some of you live with somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Some of you gave birth to somebody that doesn't know. Some of you are married to somebody. Say this year. year. Let this be the year. That loved one, that dear friend that you have at work, that person you grew up with, whoever it is that you love but you know doesn't know Jesus, let this be the year. pastor said something a while ago. He said, I I baptized a friend. You know, he got in prison. I I led him to the Lord and then he wanted to be baptized. His life changed forever. Why? Because somebody shared the love of Jesus with them. It's no different. It's no different. Every one of you have the DNA of God in you that will reproduce. Amen? Amen.